You're listening to the Broncos Audio Zone. You're in the Broncos Audio Zone for September 6th. I'm Andrew Mason, and thanks for joining me for a jam-packed podcast featuring pro football focus analyst Mike Renner and Dick Stockton of Fox Sports, who will call Sunday's game. But first, let's start with Shane Ray. He's not starting Sunday, but he should play a big role in the pass rush. He is also one of nine players remaining from that epic, historic 2015 Broncos defense. Ray and the Broncos want to return to that standard, but the path cannot be the same because this is a different group. No, you can't really you can't really think about that because it's a different team every year. You got different guys, you got different pieces, different coaches that put guys in different situations. So we can't really, uh, everybody wants to be back to that 2015 defense, but we don't have that some, those same guys. We got to do basically what we did in 2015 with a different arsenal of guys, with a different plan. And we're just trying to incorporate our identity. Every team has their identity and the switches every year. So defensively, we're trying to really find our identity again, shutting guys down on uh, third downs, you know, uh, takeaways, strip sacks, turnovers, interceptions, all, all kind of stuff like that is what we're trying to get back to. So we're just working for that. In 2015, how long did it take to build that identity, or was it there right away? Well, like I said, with different teams, you know, the 2015 Broncos defense was full of veterans. Like, and when I say full of veterans, I mean accomplished veterans, like a lot of accomplished veterans. Not saying that our veterans are any different or less accomplished, but the field was different in the locker room. You didn't have to, you know, coach as much to to these guys to leave or Chris or DeMarcus or, you know, even Danny Trevathan. You know, it was just, it felt different. Now it feels like the locker room, the locker room is younger. It's a, a younger crowd of guys. Um, you know, now it seems like, like guys like me and Roby, like we're starting to become that middle of the pack veteran. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's just different, man. Like you can't you can't compare teams, but what you can do is is take tips or notes. Sorry about that. Take tips or notes from what this team has accomplished and find our formula and how we're going to do it and just do it to the best of our ability. Obviously, you can be like, yeah, we won this game. We're not the same team, but does it really? You know what I'm saying? It doesn't work like that. We came out last. We came out last year and won our first four games. Beat the Dallas Cowboys. Everybody thought Dallas was so cool. We killed Dallas, and then next thing you know, we lost every game after that. So in the National Football League, you can never just be like, "Oh, this is it. This is it. This this is who we are." So we just, like I said, take it a play at a time, a game at a time, and we can make it happen. Was there something that happened between that three and one start and then what came next that can be prevented this year? You know, honestly, I wish I had more insight, but. I was hurt in surgery, so I didn't I didn't really get to see the development of things or you know how things were in practice. All I know is the feel of the team now it it feels like it's more urgency, um, especially when you get beat bad and you get that that taste in your mouth. You know you want to come back and and be dominant. And I feel like that that same feeling that I have in my stomach is is spread across the defense. And it starts with our leaders, with Vaughn and Chris, you know, tied to captain now. And, you know, so all those guys bringing that mentality, um, I think definitely we're on the right we're on the right pace. Was last year humbling? Because it, for a lot of guys, it was the first taste of failure, seeing 51 on the board in Philly, that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, definitely last year was tough. Everybody's situation is different, and I can't speak for everyone else's, but speaking on mine, uh, coming back and being hurt, and trying to play through that and then getting beat down and getting 51 put on you and then you already you know not looking where you're supposed to be I mean that it's kind of demoralizing you know what I'm saying so 
for me, it's like when I came back into this season, regardless of what was happening with my wrist or whatever, I was so focused on I don't care. Whatever that player was last year or what I was dealing with last year, that's done. Like, I got to, I gotta, the best players, whatever chips are thrown at or however they fall, you, you got to make the best of your situation. So, with my wrist this offseason, I was like, damn, I might have to get surgery. Oh, damn, I don't have to get surgery, but it's going to be a little pain, whatever. How am I going to, you know what I'm saying? How can I still be effective? So, it's, it's a different process for everybody, but for me, I just, I'm, I'm sick. I'm sick to my stomach when I think about last year what I dealt with, and I'm just ready to come out and just have, you know, love football, love the game of beating other teams, you know? You mentioned the wrist on scale 1 to 10. What kind of pain? I feel good now. Okay. I feel good. Um, I've got a new brace. This is like my third brace now uh, that I've got in this, this training camp. You know, at first it was a little slow. You know, my grip was off, and I was figuring it out, getting more comfortable playing and, like, not pulling it out, you know? And then as the preseason went on, man, I just I, I feel so comfortable now. Uh, now that I can especially grab more with this new brace and I, I have more grip, um, I feel good, man. I feel like me. I don't feel like people can block me. It's just simple. When was that moment you really knew, okay, I feel like me? Probably the Washington game. Um, you know, the first two games I was getting out there and I was getting good pressures, but none of us hit home. And... Um, and I was like, okay, I'm starting to feel it. I'm starting to feel it. Then I got a new brace, and I got. And then when the Washington game came, I had got the newer, improved brace that gave me more grip in my palm and stuff. And I was like, you know, I'm gonna just go out here and play. And I, it just felt like it just felt good, man. Just getting off the ball as fast as I was getting off the ball and using my hands and stuff. It was like I was a kid falling in love with the game again, you know. And uh, I haven't felt that way in two years. Obviously, just being hurt and then. Everything that went down this offseason and all that crazy stuff, like, I was like, man, I just want to love the game again of football. And that's where I'm at, man. I'm back to just feeling good about things uh, and just playing. And getting a challenge like Russell right away against someone like him, how important is discipline on the edge, not getting caught behind him and, mm-hmm. uh, and not letting him break contain? It's huge. I mean, when you're playing guys like Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, you know, those are guys that everybody has to be on the same page. It can't be, okay, I got off the ball and I can beat this guy, but if I don't make the play, there's this huge lane. It can't be that. It's got to be we all have to be on the same page, we all have to contain, and we all got to basically play with our hair on fire because the more we can chase him and run after him, the less opportunity he has to find those guys down the field and make plays. But it's got to be kind of that contained fire, isn't it? Like yeah. the hair's on fire, but you can't uh, get too yeah, out of control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, this is, this is a business, so – you know, maybe in college you could just come out there and run, 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 and get a sack. It don't work like that. When you're playing guys like Russell Wilson, we might have to play the slow game with Russell. We might have to pin him up in there for a while, and then, boom, maybe in the third or fourth quarter, then we start getting some sacks or some pressures, and you know what I'm saying? You got to play the game. And that's where it can help the offense can get ahead, get exactly. the equation back where it was exactly. in 2015. Exactly. If those guys are positive in what they do, we're fine. Let's shift gears now and catch up with Mike Renner of Pro Football Focus. Renner joins Ryan Edwards, Steve Atwater, and me every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Mountain Time on Orange and Blue 760 to talk about the Broncos and other league-wide trends from an analytical perspective. Here's our conversation. One, one thing that I, I do wonder a little bit about as far as for a Pro Football Focus and the way we can utilize that tool to tell us a bit about these teams Coming out of the preseason, uh, how much do you lean on what you see in the preseason and the stats and and how it builds up to the regular season? How much do you guys you lean on that to tell you what you expect to see in the regular season? 
Truthfully, I'll say very little. I, I think there's not much to be gleaned from preseason for a number of reasons. Uh, the biggest one is you're just not preparing schematically for the other team. You're not, you're not play calling uh, you know, based on what you think the other team's going to do. You're play calling based on what you want to see your own team do. And so for that reason, you'll get guys put in bad situations. Guys you know, have you know, things where they're not necessarily might not grade out well because they're just not, you know, like I said, put in a bad situation where it's not their fault. They just were put in that situation because the, the play calling and that sort of thing wasn't ideal for them. So I don't put much stock in preseason. Probably about the only thing I'll look at is maybe O-line, D-line, and for guys we have never seen before. So rookies, that sort of thing, guys coming out of preseason, did they grade well? Were they winning their one-on-ones? That's really all about I will uh, take a peek at. Seattle's secondary, just uh, how much in your estimation has it declined over the last couple of years with the personnel changes? I think the defense as a whole has just been tremendously depleted, and you can't really separate secondary from pass rush, and I think that's where they've lost the most is in their pass rush with no more Michael Bennett, no more Cliff Averill. Just they don't have the teeth up front, and so for that reason they're just going to have a lot more time for those guys in the back end to cover, and then they don't have Richard Sherman, who was, in my estimation, probably the best cornerback in the NFL over the past six to seven years. So, to me, that defense is nowhere near what they were in the Legion of Boom times. I, I don't even think they're – I call them a below-average defense, to be honest, at this point. So, Mike, uh, we uh, on Pro Football Focus, we have this uh, pro-NFL – Offensive line rankings of all 32 teams, and right now the Denver Broncos are ranked number 19. Uh, how many times have you seen offensive lines be ranked, just say in the you know uh, below 15, and then make a big jump the following year? Uh, you know, and, and also I want to ask: Are these the the rankings that the 19 ranking is that based on? taking each of the five players that you have as the starters and, and their rankings and you just average those out, you know, how, how is that calculated? Yeah. So they're calculated based on uh, the most recent two years of grading. And it is not a pure average of the five starters because tackles are in our estimation, far more valuable than guards, which are then more valuable than centers. So uh, we put sort of a weighting on each and then that's how we came up with it. So it's just the five starters though. Uh, and I do think the Broncos, of all the teams you know, below in the bottom half of our rankings, has the potential to be a lot higher. We've seen in our grading, Jared Valdir was at one point one of the best tackles in the NFL, one of the better left tackles in the NFL, kind of got jostled around last year with Arizona flip-flopping on between right and left tackle, looked terrible when he did play a right tackle, but then by the end of the season rebounded. So I think he could very, very much outplay what we had him graded at over the past two seasons. Uh, Matt Paradis we've seen be one of the better centers in our grading uh, at times over the course of his career, had a bit of a down year last year, which again hurts their rankings. Uh, and Ronald Leary as well was one of the best left guards in the NFL or one of the best guards in the NFL when he played uh, for the Cowboys and was fairly good last year for the Broncos. So I do think, and also with Garrett Bowles at left tackle only being a rookie, I do think they have the potential to vastly outplay, you know, where we have them ranked. So I, do, I am encouraged by what I've seen from the Broncos offensive line with Mike Renner here from Pro Football Focus at PFF underscore Mike. So along the lines of things that are tough to decide and analyze and project 
for a team is when they start a rookie running back. And I think that, I mean, rookie, really quarterback, anything at that point, but rookie running back like the Broncos are going to be starting Royce Freeman. Based on what they did last year with C.J. Anderson, is there anything that we can glean from that saying that we, we know certain things about this? Or do you think actually there's a, maybe should be more optimism based on what Royce Freeman did in college and what we think and project he could do at the pro level? Yeah, I think there should be a lot of optimism with Royce Freeman, considering he's an incredibly productive college player. We were fairly high on him. I think we had either a late second or early third round grade on him. And the best thing about running backs and why you know people are drafting running backs highly nowadays is they come into the league at their peak. It's all it's basically all downhill from running backs after year one that we've seen in our grading and just from a production standpoint. You come in NFL ready as a running back, and then the more wear and tear you get on your body, usually the you know, the worse you get as a running back. So he can step in right away. And I do think their run blocking should be much better than it was a season ago with like what I just mentioned with the addition of Jared Valdir and the fact that Garrett, Garrett Bowles is coming into year two. So uh, there's a lot of reason for optimism for the run game. Case Keenum, I know you guys had him uh, ranked pretty highly in a lot of your metrics last year. Do you expect him to continue what he did in Minnesota with the Broncos this season? Truthfully, I do. I think he has turned a corner in his career. A lot of people were skeptical. There's a lot of different metrics I point to to say, while it may not have the exact same numbers, because I think Minnesota's receiving core is probably better than what they have in Denver, but Denver's no slouch themselves. Uh, I still like what they have uh, you know, in Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas. But uh, the metrics that I was most impressed with with Case Keenum was the fact that he converted pressure to sacks at the second lowest rate of any quarterback in the NFL. If you're not getting sacks as a quarterback, a sack avoidance is huge for keeping an offense on schedule. It's where Peyton Manning was elite at. It's where Tom Brady's elite at. Phillip Rivers, Drew Brees, those guys just don't take sacks. They get the ball out quickly, and that keeps your offense on schedule. It avoids those negative plays and those drive killers, and I think that you know can't be understated enough how good Case Keenum was at that because I, I think for his you know as proved as Minnesota's offensive line was last year, it's still not as good as even what the Broncos have this year. So he'll be under less pressure this year than he was a season ago, which I think can only you know make his numbers improve. Uh, and the other thing was his just performance under pressure. He was one of our highest graded you know quarterbacks when he actually did face pressure. So those are very encouraging metrics. And I'm a believer. I think he was just the poise he showed as a quarterback is something that I don't think can really be taught. So uh, it's at least going to be an upgrade for the Broncos. Definitely won't be a downgrade. Yeah, Mike, I'm looking at your pro grading for all the 32 first-rounders uh, so far in the preseason, and the highest grade, Marcus Davenport. I'm a little bit surprised by that. Uh, and do you guys anticipate this uh, You know, going into the season, him having a, a higher production ratio? I, I think uh, among the uh, edge rushers, uh, Bradley Chubb, our, our, our number five pick, was third uh, in rankings, but uh, yeah, how do you guys see that playing out over the year with, with the rankings the way they are now? Well, so that was another biggest thing about why I don't really put too much stock in the preseason rankings. He was beating up tackles that aren't going to be starting in the NFL, which a lot of guys in the NFL could beat up second stringers, third stringers because of how you know how pretty poor the quality of offensive line play is in the league today. So. He wasn't necessarily running and, you know, getting all that production against number one offensive tackles. He was running a lot with the backups because of how deep, uh, you know, because of that Saints defensive line. So 
comparing his grade to Bradley Chubb isn't really comparing apples to apples there. Right. Chatting here with Mike Renner. Just a couple more questions for you at PFF underscore Mike, of course, with uh, Pro Football Focus. Uh, I was surprised looking at the Broncos grading for last year on special teams. There are some websites that have the Broncos as one of the worst special teams. You guys had them overall ranked at 16th, but on closer examination, there actually has been some turnover. The the highest graded guy was Cody Latimer. Uh, No question was one of their best special teams guys. Uh, as far as uh, punt returner, they're expecting a little bit of a change there with Adam Jones now as the starting punt returner last year. The highest graded guy was Jordan Taylor, who's on the putt for the Broncos. So with all of that change, is it a good sign for the Broncos that, that they maybe they have, they have changed some things up? Or are you concerned at all about special teams because they have lost guys like Benny Fowler and Cody Latimer who were important players and higher graded guys for the Broncos special teams last year? I'm not terribly worried. Uh, I do like Adam Jones as a punt returner. He's pretty fearless back there. I think he's has one of the, for his career, one of the highest return rates of any returner in NFL history. He just does not like to fair catch punts, which is always fun to watch. But uh, I'm not terribly worried. I don't think special teams is terribly predictive year on year with you know how guys perform. A lot of that uh, is coaching. A lot of it comes down to how well you know the coaches get guys to perform. Not a lot of it. There's not a ton of skill that goes into special teams. It's a lot of it's just you know how uh, disciplined you can get your guys to play. So I, I'm not uh, too worried about it if I'm the Broncos. Mike, uh, can you tell me your top three teams going into the season in the AFC and also in the NFC? Yes, I would love to. The AFC, I have actually the Los Angeles Chargers as my number one team. I think they are mm. – I just there's not a lot of holes on that roster all of a sudden, and I don't know what it is. I think it was just they had some bad luck last year to end up at nine and seven. I think that turns around. I just think they're the best team in the AFC. I'd probably put the New England Patriots at number two, even though they've lost a bunch. They still have Tom Brady, still have a fairly good secondary, and that's a that's a pretty good winning combination. And then number three, I'd go with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I know they have Blake Bortles at quarterback, but I think their defense is just so much more talented than basically any other defense in the NFL. They just they are just so deep and so young right. still that uh, I'd, I'd be hard pressed to go anywhere else but them. NFC, I was going to go with the Los Angeles Rams as the number one team, the two LA teams at number one. I think oh, man. again, so few holes and what they did to their secondary. Uh, I mean, they upgraded both corner positions on a defense that was already one of the better ones in the NFL to get a keep to leap who still had something left in the tank, and Marcus Peters was pretty ridiculous of them. So I'll put them at number one. Number two, I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers. I you know Aaron Rodgers coming what? back, and I just like what I've seen from those two rookie cornerbacks. I think their secondary is going to be night and day from what we saw last year. And then at number three, I'm going to go with the Philadelphia Eagles, even though I'm not sure – they live up to where they were a season ago, and obviously with Nick Foles starting, I wouldn't put them at number three. But once Carson Wentz gets back, I think they'll get back on track. So I'll put those as my top three in the NFC. Okay. Awesome. Uh, last question for me. Really appreciate uh, your time this morning. Again, uh, Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus. 
So Le'Veon Bell is uh, obviously in the news. He is not uh, reported to his team yet, and a lot of people are wondering what the drop-off might be for the Steelers if he's not there. You know, looking at your grading, the way you guys had it last year, now, of course, it's a smaller sample size for James Conner than it was for Le'Veon Bell, but they're pretty neck and neck right now. You guys have his 27th and uh, 29th, basically, on this list of running backs. Do you expect it to be a pretty significant drop-off if Le'Veon Bell isn't with the team to start the season? Uh, truthfully, I don't. I really don't think it is for a couple of reasons. One, like you mentioned, Le'Veon Bell was not that productive last year. He really he did not ever have a good yards per carry average. Now, I know he's a very good running back. I'm not going to debate that, but just in terms of what he brought to the offense, he was not uh, you know, incredibly, just like I said, incredibly productive. His yards per carry was just not that good. So they could stand to pass the ball more with how good – that receiving core is now with Juju Smith-Schuster and how good James Washington uh, has looked, you know, in his limited time and how high we were on him. We had a first-round grade on him coming out. So they could stand to basketball more. I think if just you put the ball in Ben Roethlisberger's hands, and uh, I'd rather be giving Antonio Brown targets than handoffs to Le'Veon Bell is all I'll say with, you know, how good that guy is at wide receiver. So I don't think it's going to be a huge drop-off for them. Pro Football Focus has only been around a few years. Dick Stockton, who will be at the mic Sunday on Fox's broadcast of Broncos Seahawks, can trace his experience calling pro football back over a half century. He's done it all in his TV career, but now the NFL is it for him. He begins his 25th season with Fox on Sunday at Broncos Stadium at Mile High. And Wednesday, he joined Ray Crockett and Mark Stout to talk about the game, the upcoming season, and his distinguished career. On the hotline, we welcome Dick Stockton onto the show. It's Crockett and Stout on Orange and Blue 760, uh, a steam broadcaster. How are you, Dick? Thanks for coming on the show. I'm great, guys. Good to be on with you. Big week. Yes, sir. Very much so. Ray Crockett here, sir. Thank you for coming into the crib. Very nice to have you. What is on your agenda for this year? I, I'm looking, Dick, at, at everything you've done. You've done every sport known to man. What all do you have planned this year? NFL football, which is all I do anymore, and it's our 25th year at Fox, and I've been there all 25 years. Wow! And I'm really delighted with that, and I'm uh, I'm working with um, with Mark for the second straight year. I've uh, I've either broken in all of our analysts or worked with all of them, from Troy Aikman down to uh, Chris Fieldman, all of them. And this is my second straight year with Mark, and I'm really excited to do that. Mark Schlereth. Hey, hey, Dick, I, I, yeah, people know Stink here, obviously, in, in Denver. I, yeah. I often ask broadcasters that have uh, been around a lot if they expected the NFL to be as big as it is now, having gone back so, so many years with the league. What do you say to that? <laughs> well, I, I go back. My first year on the air was doing post-game shows. This is before the NFL today came into existence. Back, are you sitting down? Back in 1967. Wow. So I was uh, born in 1967. <laughs> there you are. Well, you must do well. Uh, maybe you saw me then. Maybe you saw me <laughs> I was then. alive, Dick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, that's when I started. So uh, you know, it. it uh, I never. You know, this is when they had the NFL championship game, and there was no merger yet, and uh, no such thing as a Super Bowl. But it has grown immensely, and uh, you know, the game is on so many networks. There's so much going on now. I mean, it's interesting. Fantasy leagues were never even thought about at that time, you know, and uh, a big part of what's going on. So, uh, no, I never thought, I don't think anyone did, that the NFL was going to, you know, be as big as it, as it is now, the, the, the really the leading sport overall, despite its problems. 
So, Dick, what, what do you think about the, the NFL in general with the new rules and, and where we're going with, with the helmet rules and, and all the safety thing? How do you feel that's going to either affect the sport negatively or positively going forward? Well, I, I don't think it's either way. I think it's something that had to be done because you wonder what the future of the sport of football is going to be if parents are going to let kids play and they're reading about all of the you know, uh, CTE problems that have happened to players who have been playing for years, years after they're done playing, and what's happening now. And I think that it's a culture change, and they have to make the culture change. And I don't disagree with it at all because, uh, uh, you know, I know that Bill Belichick was talking about, you know, hey, we've always taught to tackle this way. And I think that, you know, it's been kind of blurred, to be honest with you, as far as really what goes. I think people now understand that you cannot make initial contact with your helmet, and we have had such some grueling hits, you know that are that are that should be changed, you know, and uh, and I think that you can lower your helmet, but you've got to hit with your shoulder, and uh, that's what it's going to be. It's a change of culture, and it's going to have to be this way for football now, and it's for its mere survival. So, so what do you say? We're talking to Dick Stockton here, the great broadcaster of all sports, all things. Look, all things sports, Dick. I have to give you that because I I know. You've actually been one of, I don't know how many other guys have done this, but I know you've broadcast every major sports there is. Is there anybody well, else have, that's and, done that? And, and, well, I, I'm sure there are a lot who have done a lot of sports, Ray. And, and I've done a lot of your games, too, by the way, as you know, and uh, over the years. And I think that the fact that I'm the most senior play-by-play broadcaster in all of football in any network, and uh, I'm, I'm proud to have that, that uh, title hey back to the to the rule changes how will you approach that as the play-by-play guy will you kind of just see that kind of you know see how it pans out and and wait on the refs to really make the specific calls well we do that anyway i mean we should do it anyway i mean you're uh, right you know to to talk about what a uh, you know look they're always going to be speculation on things but i i've always believed we report the game Okay, we report the game between the lines, and if an official throws the flag, we're going to say there's a penalty flag down. He's going to announce what it is. We're going to show the replay of it, obviously, if it's going to be especially the ones you're talking about with the helmet. Right. And in uh, an opinion, we'll say, wait, it looks like it was, you know, uh, it was unreasonable to throw the flag. And I, I think that can be discussed, but uh, just uh, individual plays as they happen. Not in a general, I think, I don't think we're going to do a general dissertation about it, but talk about the plays as they happen. And, uh, you know, we know one thing that it's easier to call it in slow motion than it is in real time. You guys know that. So, so Dick, this year, what, I guess, what teams will you be focusing on to win it all? Uh, Because we have our cribbies in in our, on our show today, which is our pre- preseason awards and preseason, of course, who we think going to win all the divisions. What teams do you think will be well, there in those final four? and What teams you feel made, I, I guess, the most moves to get there? I don't know if making the most moves means they're going to be there. I, uh, I'm not going to ruin your show here and say what I say to everyone else. Who do you think is going to win? And I'll say I have no idea. Just as a coach of a team has no idea the day of the game how his team is going to play. And you know that as well as anyone. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen. It's like if, when you play golf, you say, well, what are you going to shoot today? I don't know. I have no idea. So uh, it's, so to predict who's going to win is folly, in my opinion, and I don't do it. 
But if, if, if you were to say to me, look, Dick, just play around here for us on this show. Uh, what two teams do you think could meet in the Super Bowl? And I have no idea. It's not based on who's better. By the way, it's never based on who's the best team because it's the team that plays the best. So uh, it's not who do I think is best because that doesn't always work and there are injuries and other factors. But I'm thinking the Rams and the Houston Texans are the team that jump up at me as I think could be very well there. I could be way wrong. Uh, you know, they may not even make the playoffs, but that's what I'm going to say. Oh, I like it. What do you uh, What do you think about this upcoming game on Sunday? You'll be here uh, at Broncos Stadium at Mile High. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait, guys, because it's it's a, it's two teams that have known great moments in the past that have undergone alterations quickly on Seattle. I mean, you know, this uh, the swagger that they have. Uh, they've got to reinstitute because it's not there. Losing the six people that you know you've talked about. Uh, you know, I, I have to say Russell Wilson, you know, having Russell Wilson makes them a threat in any game they play. And uh, and I think the team is undergoing a lot of changes, and I think it may take a little while, especially when you open up on the road like this, against a Bronco team that I think is on the right road. I And I tell you what, I applaud John Elway for, you know, keeping Vance back for another year. It's so easy to say, what kind of a year did he have? He doesn't get it. And I know what people say, but, you know, I think he learned something. And if he didn't, we'll find out. But I think he, he had to learn from what happened last year. And the, and the big thing that he has said all along is, you know, being a little tougher, obviously, but fixing things early and not waiting around. But I think they got the quarterback that they want, who's a steady, calm guy we saw what he did with the vikings last year i know it's his first time as a starting quarterback not because he's filling in for injury or anything else a backup he's the guy i love the draft that the broncos had i love it and you're going to see i think results early even though you don't win only because of rookies you know but i i definitely think you know that in, in freeman and in sutton and in chubb and there are others I think that's going to be great. I love their defense anyway because of the people you have coming back. And so the question is, will the Broncos be good enough to go back all the way from you know last to first place? It's a tough division with the Chargers and the Chiefs. I'm not going to predict what they're going to do. But I think it's going to be a great game and a great first game. And if the Broncos have made the kind of progress, we just take it one week at a time, they've got to show it in that first game against the Seahawks. They've got to do that. We're talking to Dick Stockton here, the great broadcaster extraordinaire, and who will be doing our game this weekend. And Dick, I heard you say, and, and you know, I don't try to read in between the lines or read into things, but I did hear you mention three AFC West teams, and you left one out. I'm going to bring that team in. What do you think about the Raiders and Gruden coming back, and then the moves he's made so far? Well, you know, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But I really think, and I and I love John Gruden as a guy. I think that team could be something. Uh, I just don't think that um, that they're going to. Uh, you know, I think that right now the Chiefs and the Chargers are the best two teams in in the West. And and the reason I might give the Chargers the edge is because you know, inexperienced quarterback uh, can can cost you. Now we know what Jared Goff did with the Rams last year. And uh, we we got to see whether Jimmy Garoppolo can prove can prove it this year in his first full season as the quarterback, you know, to see if they can win. I think it's tough for 
that kind of quarterback to lead you to a division. I'm just thinking that. And I think experience pays off more. So uh, uh, I don't think the Raiders are going to be in, 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 in that area with the other, at least the other two teams. I mean, the Broncos, they could compete with the Broncos. I'm not sure of the other two. Hey, Dick, one last question. Uh, do you plan on to continue broadcasting for a number of years? I, I, you know what? I take it year by year, but I, the, the reason I do is because I've always said to myself, and Fox is supportive, they say, as long as you want to do it, keep doing it. I, I think there are two, two measurables uh, when I'm going to say, wait a second. Number one, if I can't keep up with the play and I'm not concise with who's in the middle of the action, if that happens on a continual basis, or if I lose energy and my voice loses energy in the second half of games as we wane, as it wanes, as we go down to the stretch, then I'll say, wait a second, got to take a look at this. But neither one of those things have entered my universe right now. And so as long as I still have those things going, I'm good to go. And, uh, you know, my whole philosophy quickly, I know you got things to do, is less is more. I think there's too much talk on play-by-play especially, and broadcast. People don't keep quiet, and you don't even hear what they're saying. I believe less is more. I think being concise, let my partner talk, let there be dead air, let the pictures and sounds take over. That's been my philosophy, and I'm going to continue that. It's good to hear Stockton's dulcet tones once again. Of course, his first season was in 1967, like he said. Not only was that the year in which Ray Crockett was born, but that was Floyd Little's rookie year. Stockton, Mark Schloreth, and Jennifer Hale will have the call for the Fox broadcast this Sunday. And Sunday's game is something more, the nexus of the Brandon Marshall universe. Okay, I'm on first and first. How can the same street intersect with itself? It must be at the nexus of the universe. (laughs) The current Broncos linebacker and former Broncos wide receiver, now with the Seahawks, collide, leading to the possibility of Brandon Marshall being tackled by Brandon Marshall. Hell yeah. Hey, I hope he in there when I'm in there so I can make a tackle. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's what I'm trying to have. But most likely he's going to be down the field, so I got to run to the ball, you know, and uh, <laughs> maybe maybe uh, force a fumble on him or something. The two Brandon Marshalls are not close friends, but they do know each other well, and not just because hapless tweeters confuse one for the other. Yeah, I definitely uh, had a good chance to meet him and talk to him on his um, at his foundation. Um Gala in uh, Denver, actually. You know, I, I sat by him and his wife, and and we had some good conversation about you know diet and and longevity in the NFL and 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 how you can sustain at a high level for a long time. You know, this is year 13 or 12 for him, so 13 for him. So the fact that he's still playing is is a testament to his hard work, his um, you know his, his his athletic ability, of course, and and how he stayed uh, and grinded, you know, through everything. And while all the focus is on Sunday in Seattle, let's take one tiny look back at last weekend and the decision to waive Paxton Lynch. John Elway joined voice of the Broncos Dave Logan at midday Wednesday on Orange and Blue 760 and discussed what went into the decision. I think with just the way everything was going with Paxton and, and uh, obviously there's a lot of pressure on in, on him in Denver and it hadn't worked out, so there's been a lot of negative you know press on him. And I think that... Uh, you know, looking at everything involved, it was probably best for all parties to, to part ways and, and give Paxton an, an opportunity to go somewhere else and see if it will work out better for him there. In the end, it was just time, and now it's time to get out of here. Thanks for joining me in the Broncos Audio Zone, and remember, you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, 
or whatever podcast subscription service you prefer. I'll talk to you again on Friday when Andy Lindall and I go horsing around to preview the Seahawks game. Talk to you then. 